welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hi, I'm Dana Torres, and welcome to another episode of the Truth in My Days radio program. Today, I'm here with John Torres and Jason Chan as they discuss the important topic of creation and evolution. We are continuing from the previous episode. We hope you enjoy. Moving on to the second part of the definition of biblical creationism, then, you mentioned that the age of the earth is 6,000 years old. How did we come to that number? Well, 6,000 approximately, as I said, a maximum of 7,686. How we come to it is from data given to us in the Bible itself, which is inspired. God breathes as much as anything else in the Bible. If Genesis 1 tells us that God created the world in six earth rotation days, Adam was created on day six. So we know that the earth is five days plus whatever we have from Adam moving forward. Now, if you look in Genesis 5, it will give you the number of years from Adam to Noah's birth because it gives us what's called a chronogenealogy there. It's not just a genealogy. It doesn't just say that Adam begot Seth, Seth begot Anash, Anash begot Kainan, and so on. It tells us how old each person was when he begot the next person. So the idea of saying, well, maybe there there are gaps in the genealogies and maybe it's a much longer time. It doesn't work here because if we have this many years between Adam and Seth, it doesn't matter if if Seth is the son or the grandson, the great grandson, we still know how many years from Adam's birth to Seth's birth. So these numbers are absolute. It really doesn't help the old agers anyway, though, because they need lots of years before Adam, not after. So these are chronogenealogies. They give the age between each two successive names, the number of years between each two successive names in the list. We can add those together. That will come to 1,056 years up to Noah's birth. In Genesis 6 and 7, uh, we know how old Noah was at the start of the flood, 600 years old. Then we know he was on the ark for a year in the flood. And then coming off of that, in Genesis 11, we have more of these chronogenealogies, our facts that were told was born two years after the flood. And then we can add up the chronogenealogies there because they go all the way to Abraham. We have 220 years to the birth of Abraham. Then, according to Genesis 21.5, from Abraham is 100 years old when Isaac is born. So we add another 100 years. Then another 60 years to the birth of Jacob, according to Genesis 25, 26. There's 130 years between the birth of Jacob and the time when uh, Jacob's family moves down to Egypt. They're there for this 130 years there, Genesis 47, 28. And then from that time to the Exodus is 430 years, okay? We're told that in Exodus 12, 40 to 41, and it's confirmed, actually, because in 1 Kings 6, 1, we're told that the time from the Exodus to the year that Solomon dedicated the temple was 480 years. Now, once we're into Solomon's reign, we have the kings, and we're given detailed information about how long each king reigned and then succeeded, and that traces us all the way to the captivity in Babylon. We add up all of these numbers, and we come with, up with 3,459 years from creation to the captivity in Babylon. And that's an historically established fact that happened in 586 BC. 
you might want to play with that, but you can't play with it more than a few years one way or the other. So you take the 3,459, you add the 586 up to AD1, and now we're in the year 2021, so you add another 2,021 years, and then you've got the age of the Earth. This is not absolutely certain because there are uncertainties in it. Like a certain man was 130 years old and got a son. Well, was that 130 years in one day or was that 130 years in 300 days? Exactly which textual traditions are you using for the numbers? So, so there are certain uncertainties, and that's why we can say approximately 6,000. But when you add in all of the, the uncertainties, maximum possible value for these the Earth is a maximum of 7,686 years old. This year, next year, it'll be 7,687. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an excellent article written up uh, by Chris Hardy and Dr. Robert Carter on this. You can find it on the internet. It's called the, the Biblical Minimum and Maximum Ages for the Earth. Now, so that's definitely what the Bible teaches. And some people say, but it's not important. Why fight about it? If I want to believe in, in a 4.6 billion year old earth, what difference does it make? It's not a salvific belief. I don't have to believe in a young earth to be saved. And I certainly agree with that. You do not have to believe in a young earth to be saved. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't believe what the Bible says. And it's not an important thing to, to make an issue of. And, and it is for two reasons. One, However, we want, might want to slice and dice it. We know what the Bible says. We know it says six days, and that's clear to everybody. So when you have to start arguing that, well, but maybe the Bible doesn't really mean what it says, you're attacking the credibility of the Bible. Yeah, you're not wanting to do that, but you are doing that. And you may say, well, I, I can live with that. I can live with this kind of cognitive dissonance in my mind, but there are other people who can't. Other people will say, look, you don't believe what the Bible says. Why should I? And if you don't, if the Bible's wrong on creation, why should I believe it on salvation? And for that, they would go to Jesus himself. When John 3, 12 said, if I've told you about earthly things that you do not believe, how will you believe when I tell you heavenly things? If we can't trust the Bible on things we can check, like the age of the earth, why would we trust it on anything else? So that's one reason. But there's a second reason why this is an important issue. And that is that in the New Testament, Adam is presented as, as a type in reverse, an anti-type, so to speak, of Christ. We see Paul waxing eloquent on this in uh, Romans chapter 5, and it'll come up again in 1 Corinthians. But he says, look, as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, and so death passed to all men because all have sinned, even so. Through the offense of one, many die by the grace of one, one man, Jesus Christ. Grace has come. For by one man's offense, death, that's Adam, life by one, Jesus Christ. As by the offense of one, judgment came, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So, it is drawing this exact parallel and opposite of what Adam did and what Jesus did. Adam brought sin into the world. Jesus defeats it. Adam brought in death. Jesus brings in life. Just as in Adam, even so in Christ. Well, you've got a problem then. Because if we're going to meld the Bible with old ages, what happens? Well, either Adam disappears 
because you're going to have some kind of ape men evolving into people. And if that happens, what happens to this parallel? As an Adam, even so in Christ. Well, if the as in Adam is fake, what happens to the even so in Christ? And even if you don't, even if you say, look, the world was around for 4.6 billion years, and then 6,000 years ago, God made Adam de novo, you could do that. But the problem is you have billions of years of death and destruction in the world. And the Bible says death came in as a result of sin. For the Bible, when God made the world, he, he looked at it, he called it good. And he said, very good. And we see in Genesis 1, he said he made the plants for food. And he said, this is food for, for people, and it's food for the animals. The idea of carnivory, the idea of, of death, animals attacking each other, killing each other, was not in the original creation. That was what God called good. Now, if you're not going to accept the age of the, the biblical age of the earth, you're going to bring death in before Adam, which means death didn't enter the world as a result of sin. It would have to mean that God wanted death in there all along. And if that's the case, what are we being uh, rescued from? What are we being restored to? We're being restored to an original condition of, oh, what was it? Death, right? <laughs> Do you not see that as a problem? First uh, Corinthians 15, 21 to 22, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So what happens to this if there's no Adam? If we have a 4.6 billion years old earth, if we have people coming out of insectivore ancestors, what happens to the gospel message? And it's all for nothing, basically. Does, does that seem like a proper understanding of what the Bible says on this? Or am I missing something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. So you see, this is why uh, a lot of Christians, unfortunately, think this is not an important issue. It really is. And this is why so many young people are falling away. It's, it's not the only issue, for sure. There are others, but this is one of them. Yeah, this is one of them because they kind of say, the professors will come and say, look, the Bible's wrong. Yeah? The earth is not 7,686 years old. It was, it was not made by God in 625 days. And young people say, but the Bible says so. And then they go back to their pastors and pastors, oh, no, 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 you know, you know, science is right. Maybe maybe the day doesn't really mean that. But you're looking at the Bible, you know it means that. But you're being told, and then you're wondering, look, these, these pastors, these scholars are more educated than I am, and they're not believing what the Bible says here. Why would I believe it? So do we see that this is an important issue? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that is why some of us do make an issue of it. So now comes... The $24,000 question, which one is right, creation or evolution? Biblically speaking, God made the earth maximum 7,686 years ago, 624-hour days. And, and that should settle it. The Christian, that should settle it. And he might not know the science. And if he doesn't and he says, look, I don't know the science, but I know what the Bible says and I believe it because it's the word of God, I can respect that perfectly. At the same time, it's good to look at the science side of it, because if the Bible's right, true science should agree with it, and it will be very helpful in breaking down challenges against the Bible. So let's move on to the science side of it. Okay, we've looked at the Bible, but now we're going to look simply from the point of view of science and see, does science really stand against the Bible, or does it agree with the Bible? 
Is it really just unwarranted assumptions and indirect assertions brought in by atheist scientists that make science look like it disagrees? That's what we're going to look at next. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but please join us for the next part. Same time and same place. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.